DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. He's back, baby. Norm Chow joins us now. Norm, good morning. <laughs> good morning, fellas. How are you all doing? Uh, we're doing all right. How are you doing without your beloved Dodgers? You don't have a Dodger oh, game every gosh. day. You know, you know what? They, they, they finally okayed it to be on television. You know, they, they had a big old ruckus about being on TV. Now most of the people can see them and they don't play. So it's been killing <laughs> us. It's been hurting us. <laughs> Plus the, uh, uh, the, the ocean's closed. How are you getting in your uh, surfing? Well, we still get to walk. We don't get to walk on the beach anymore. They've closed the strand, uh, you know that you know about. But that, yeah. but uh, we can still walk on in the neighborhood. So it's been rough. It's been rough. Uh, but you know everybody's going through, and everybody has to do their part. And hopefully this thing will, will you know, will ease up just a little bit. But uh, people are doing what they're asked to do, and then uh, you know trying to do the best they can. Well, if you can still walk and smell the ocean air, I mean that's something. Yes, it is, and it's been it's been nice over the last couple of days. Been foggy. I talked to a friend of mine up in in Utah, and it said the other day it was seventy degrees. That, that's that's springtime in the Rockies. So hard to beat. Spring and fall in the Rockies, in my mind, are just so hard to beat. Yeah, it plummeted right back into the forties, though. So, Norm, you uh, you had a you had a run with the <laughs> you had a run with the XFL there, and uh, we saw the XFL closed up shop. A terrible time to try to launch a new league. I'm selling. I'm sure selling season tickets and sponsorships for next year is impossible in this era. So I get why they've already said no football in 2021. Uh, what was the XFL like? You learned anything? You find anything interesting there? What was your takeaway? You know, you know what, guys, it, it was fun. I mean, you know, obviously everyone went into it a little bit. Uh, What's the right word? Dubious, maybe, but uh, you know, it was really fun, and and I think I was quite surprised at the caliber of football. I thought it was pretty good. Um, you know, there was some very good football coaches. You know, I, I watched a lot of that AAF tape, and certainly not being critical of that, but but it was a. Uh, I thought it was a little better better played out because there were no rules you know the AF had rules where you couldn't blitz or whatever and and um, the, the XFL just let it go so it was football it was really good football I thought the schemes were good the players were good um, it was fun it really was fun and I am convinced that it had it not been for this you know this situation we're in now that it would it would it would have made it um, and I think this guy Vince McMahon you know, he's obviously not a dumb guy. And, and uh, the way he presented it on television, I ended up watching a couple games after this was all done, you know, and sitting at home, nothing else to do. And it was well done. You know, they, they, they got to hear the players and the coaches and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I thought it was presented very well. And, and the surprising thing to me about the whole deal was that the caliber football was really pretty good. Yeah, what, what do you say you were surprised by that? I find that interesting. Well, because, uh, you know, you, you, you've seen so many of these other leagues try to make it. You know, I watched some of that AAF and, and you know, obviously knew some of the coach of Dennis and, and, and his gang that ran it up in Salt Lake. And I, I just wasn't real impressed. I thought the, the, the offensive lines were the, probably the weakest part of it all. The, weakest, the offensive lines and the defensive secondary, which to me are the two critical parts of a, of a, of a team, you know, and, 
And I, I remember always being told as a young coach that you, you, you need two good coaches on your staff, the offensive line coach and the secondary coach. And I think that's true. Man. So I watched some of that, and, and, you know, it was good. And like I said, I'm not certainly not knocking anybody or anything. But, but then when we went to camp and, and saw the caliber of players and they kept upgrading the players, you know, it's no, it was like the NFL. Uh, they kept bringing in guys that's trying to beat out other guys. And, and that part of it was, was, uh, was interesting. Uh, I just read where one of our receivers, who I thought was maybe our third or fourth best, just signed with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, um, you know, that that's the caliber of players that I think we had. Norm Chow, join us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. I always find it interesting when the new league starts up, you know, the NFL is slow. They're very, they're, they're slow to adopt new rules. And, you know, the two-point conversion I thought was a no-brainer, and it took the NFL forever to embrace it. And now that they have, I think it's a good thing. I thought the kickoff, you know, to limit the violence of the collisions, not to give guys a 30- or 40-yard head start, uh, it was odd at first watching it, but I thought it was okay. And I thought the one, two, and three-point conversions all not not kicking, but you know, an actual you know play from the line of scrimmage. I wouldn't be upset if the NFL tinkered with uh, either of those. Did you like those? Hate those? You're lukewarm. You no, I I um um the uh, initially I thought that like you say the kickoff was odd, but but it turned out to be a a, a pretty good now. They they, they um you know the very it, it, it forced you to return the kick if you will they weren't going to kick it out of bounds cuz you get the ball up way up there and it did preclude people from getting hurt you know because there's only a 5 yard distance between the two so i really thought that was a good one but especially the after the point after at first i thought oh man this is going to be really difficult and it was difficult but it sure added a lot to the game uh it, it made you think it made you anticipate you know the head coach um you know, the play callers and everybody had to really anticipate what was going on, you know, whether to go for one, two, or three. And you didn't have time to think much about it. But what it did was on offense, it, it forced you to prepare a lot more in that, well, you know, what they call a tight red zone, you know, from the five-yard in, five-yard line in, where normally you prepare two or three two-point plays, baby, you know, to get ready for a game. Well, now you have to have 10 or 12 because not only that, but if the game went into overtime, it was a hockey shootout. That's the one I, I uh, would have liked to have seen played out on television anyway in a game, but it never happened with us. I want to ask some thoughts about college. Uh, you Pac-12, three brand-new head coaches. Now, one of them in Washington was a promotion. The other two uh, – Brand new staffs. You got a bunch of staffs in the in the conference that are bringing on new coordinators. With this quarantine and no spring ball and all this stuff going on, how much do you think that is of a concern to those particular programs? Well, I, I um, I'm not so sure. Now, now, where, where are the three new? Oh, Colorado, I guess has one. Colorado I, I and I, yeah, Colorado and both Washingtons. Oh, that's right. Both Washingtons. Both Washingtons. I think, uh, you know, the, the, the Jimmy Washington, Jimmy Lake at Washington, well, there obviously won't be much of a, of a of a change. And then my understanding is Colorado kept quite a few of their their their, their assistants, so maybe that's not going to be much of a change. Washington State with uh, with the guy from Hawaii going over there, that might be. But he he brought a lot of guys with him. I I think it's going to hurt. I really do. Um, you know, there's even talk, and, and unfortunately, that you know, will they even have a season? In my mind, I think they, hopefully, they will, but maybe it'll be pushed back a month or so. 
And if that's the case, then I think the guys would have enough time to get themselves ready. But 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 it's going to hurt because it takes time to put in your system that you want. <clears throat> and um, you know, I I, I I likened it when we were in the when when the XFL by the when we played our fourth and fifth games, I thought we were really pretty good. And when I look back, you know, the NFL has four preseason games. And the fifth game, they're they're ready to go. So in college, you know, you always have a couple of non-conference games to get yourself ready. So if they have to get themselves ready or the season is shortened or they get right in the conference play, I think it's going to hurt. And the Utahs and the people that have guys coming back, I mean, you know, understand the system, I think will make a huge difference. I really do. UCLA is one of them, I think, that, that they finally figured out what Chip wants. And I think they're going to be pretty good. So I think most people are seeing the Pac-12 South as uh, two groups, USC, Arizona State, and Utah at the top, and UCLA, Arizona, and Colorado at the bottom. Do you think UCLA belongs more to that top group than that bottom group? Uh, I do. I, I do. I do. I thought they were playing pretty well. Now, now they, they, for whatever reason, they get a lot of guys that transfer out. And so that may hurt them. But, uh, you know, just, just on paper, and I saw the way Chip, was was playing toward the end of you know of, of last year. I think I don't know. I, I and that's a good question. I don't know if they would be up there with USC and Utah, but they certainly would have a shot at it. Yeah. So you look at the Utes. Obviously, they lose Tyler Huntley, right? And so they've got this kid Cam Rising. He's up uh, by the uh, Magic Mountain area. He goes to Texas. He doesn't play. He transfers. He's on the team last year, but he has to sit out. So he's been in Ludwig's program for over a year. Then they get this grad transfer uh, from South Carolina who started 33 games, but he's coming over here out to Utah because he had the connection. Ludwig recruited him when Ludwig was at Vanderbilt. So they were going to have this competition in spring ball, and I think they got in three practices before they had to stop. And so see what happens in the summer. I'm wondering for you, uh, you know, the offensive coordinator are going to have a significant say in who ends up being the starter when we get to that point. If it's close, do you go with the younger guy knowing that he's going to be around, or do you go with the older guy, and even though you're only going to have one season with him? Personally, I would go with the older guy. I would, but that's just me because, uh, you know, they're probably a little more mature and, and have a little better understanding and a little, a little better, a little more experience in the ball game. When You know, it is, there's nothing like a ball game. You know, practice is practice, but... When you get in a real ball game with the bullets flying and, and all that kind of business, I think I'd take the, the more experienced guy if they were even. You know, if the if the young guy had a lot more more ability, you know, he, you'd put him in because he has the bigger upside because he's going to be with you for a year or two. But I would try to win now. I don't think you need to worry about down the road any because, uh, you know, all that matters is the game that you're playing next. You know, you referenced the fact that the season might start a little late. Uh, we had Mark Harlan, um, the AD at Utah, on uh, Talking uh-huh. Sports, and he was talking about how the Pac-12 ADs are working on five different plans. He didn't go into what they were, but we've subsequently heard more interviews. Obviously, one plan is starting on time. One is maybe condensing the preparation, but starting on time. There's the conference-only season. That's what you said about sliding it back to October 1, but still squeezing in the games. But what's come out is that one of the plans is, hey, if you can't play it in the fall, these athletic departments need the revenue that comes with football. So... 
as a one-off, you play in the spring some combination of, you know, late February, March, April, May, some, some combination in there. What kind of problems would that pose for football coaches? I mean, they'd have to adapt if that was the plan, but what, what kind of hurdles would that put up? Wow, I, I, that, that's interesting what you said. With, with that, that's, that's interesting thoughts. I, I mean, you, the coaches can adapt. I mean, I don't think that'd be any big deal. You know, if they said, okay, we're going to start on this date, then, then coaches would go to work on it, preparing and making sure that they were ready and, you know, how, how, how we're going to handle two, uh, preseason camp, how we're going to handle this, how we're going to handle that. I think coaches could do that. I think they need some lead time. You know, I, I would feel badly for the for the other sports, the spring sports, you know, the baseballs and track and field and those kind of things. But, but you're right. I mean, football obviously drives the program, and then and they'd have they they want to make sure and get it in. I, um, you know, I've always been very optimistic that this this world is going to get back to normal someday. And but but boy, it's getting close. And I think the NFL and college football ever have real reasons to be concerned. But uh, I think you could adapt. I, whatever pro, whatever they decide. Uh, I'm sure that the coaches could adapt very easily. Yeah, with that in mind, you know, obviously they didn't get the spring ball and the off-season conditioning and workouts are in jeopardy. Would you add more time to the training camps before the start of the season? Well, you know, you'd think you'd have to. I mean, these these young fellas probably haven't lifted a weight in 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 a month, right? I mean, they've missed it. Yeah. You know, spring ball is spring ball. There's a, there's a lot to it. People are very cautious now anymore in spring. But it's that it's that weight training and that the conditioning part to get into football type shape. You know, you do what you don't do in spring practice because you're going to lose it. But it's the off it's the weights and the the running and the, those kind of things that get yourselves ready. So I think, yeah, I think that 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 part of it. They're going to need some time, no question about it. Uh, the football part, the scheme part, you know, it's going to take a while regardless. So I think the other part is what you need to concern about to prevent injuries and pulls and, you know, those kind of soft tissue type injuries. I know you always, uh, and you already showed this with UCLA, you're always following the programs down there. And I think there's a lot of... Uh confusion maybe up here about USC, how good they're going to be, Helton's chances of making it through this storm at USC. You know, wins and losses matter a lot. Is is he going to win a lot? Is he going to win the biggest games? Is he going to make it through this? And is he going to be a big hurdle for Utah and Arizona State and, and maybe UCLA too this year? Uh, you know, I, that, that's a heck of a question. And, and and you read about it in the papers. It's the reason you follow it. Is there, there, it's all over the news. And it's, it's, it's a little, what's the right word, shocking, if you will, that Clay is back. And then and, and he, uh, you know, fixed his whole defensive staff up a little bit. And in fact, a couple of guys that I knew were let go. Um, and you're right, but the 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 the, the the upside of USC is this this talent. There's always going to be talent there, and the recruiting is so is so critical. And and USC has the ability, as we all know, to recruit the top guys in the country. And and so they'll be good regardless, kind of deal, if you will. But but I understand they open with Alabama, yeah, or they were scheduled to open with Alabama, and that would you know maybe be a I don't know a start of something, you know, not what people would want, but the, the, the USC deserves to be where they're at. I mean, they're, 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 their fans are uh, uh, 
absolutely amazing. They're, they're, they're very supportive, and they'll always be good. Like I said, they always should be good because of their ability to recruit. Now, you know, Clay's a good man. I mean, he's trying to hold it together, obviously wants it to happen, and, and we'll just have to see what their schedule doesn't lend, uh, you know, a lot of optimism right now. So they did change coaches, obviously, on the defensive side, and one of the guys they brought in, uh, Vic Suoto, and uh, obviously you know him, probably recruited him out of high school, wherever you were at the time, and he went to BYU, coached with Bronco back in Virginia, and now he's going to be the defensive line coach. And he said he lives down there by Highland in Manhattan, and he's expecting a dinner invitation from you. Is that something you think you're going to follow through with? (laughs) You know, you know. I don't know if I know the the the, the, the young man. I I I've, I think I've heard the name before. Um, I understand we will we'll go to the same church when when that starts up again. But I I can't tell you that I I, I know him. I don't know if I I'd see him in the you know not Chad. The guy he replaced was a good friend, Chad Carr. Um, and then uh, they replaced a linebacker coach named Johnny Nansen, who'd been around for a long time. Uh, and and Greg Burns, the safety coach, he and I, I mean, the secondary coach, he and I coached together when we were at SC. And he left to go in the NFL and went back. And he only had a year. I think Chad only had a year, too, before they let they let, uh, they let let him go. So they let three of those guys go that were very good recruiters. And, you know, I thought very good football coaches, whether they brought in a new coordinator, and he was obviously allowed to bring in who he wanted to bring in. But, but to go back to uh, the D-line coach, I, 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 you know, I, I guess we'll meet someday. But right now, I don't, I don't know who, who he is. This, I, we can certainly go to dinner because there's a whole lot of good Polynesian places to eat out this way. <laughs> uh, I don't I, I don't expect with all the XFL stuff that you're following recruiting down there that closely but sometimes you know about quarterbacks and the Utes just got a, uh, a four-star guy Peter Castelli out of Mission Viejo High School that's a, a little bit away from you down south in Orange County have you heard anything about him or is that uh, just a name on the wall and you don't know well, no, no. You know, I read about him, and I, I tell you what, uh, he comes from a. You, you, you know the history. I don't know if you know the history, but Mission Viejo for the longest time was coached by a guy named Bob Johnson, mm-hmm. and yeah. he put out quarterbacks every single year. Mark Sanchez, his prize pupil was 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 Carson Palmer. Carson didn't go to Mission Viejo, but uh, he worked with Bob. You know, off the field. I mean, outside of school as his personal quarterback coach. Bob coached for a long time and tremendously successful. And he had two sons that were quarterbacks as well. So that school is known for producing terrific quarterbacks. Now, uh, Bob retired, had a couple of health issues and retired in, in, what would it be, 17, maybe 18, and replaced by another Johnson. But no relation, Chad Johnson, who also has a reputation uh, coming from St. John Bosco High School as a quarterback coach. So I think he's he's probably, I don't know much about the young man other than I, I, I would guess that he's very, very well coached in high school and, and, and would be very much uh, ready to play when it's his time to go. But, you know, those those commitments that are made so far in advance, there was a study done once, right? I, I don't know if you guys remember, but they, it was a, it's a high number a high percentage of guys that change their minds when they commit so early. So I, I'm sure Kyle is excited about it, but I'm sure in his mind he's thinking, hey, we're going to have to re- keep recruiting guys because uh, whether this guy keeps his commitment or not, you know, remains to be seen, I guess. But, uh, it's, yeah, I, I heard 
I heard that name. I've heard that name, and I also know that I, I, I would bet that he's been very, very well coached. The quarterback position has always intrigued me because a couple years back they got another kid down there, I think uh, more towards San Diego, uh, Jack Tuttle's a four-star. He doesn't even play it down before he transfers, and he goes to Indiana. He gets beat out there, and we see it now. Jordan Love, they're debating from Utah State, where should he go in the first round, and is he worthy of a high pick, low pick, whatever. Do you have any particular reasons why it's hard to figure out the success rate of quarterbacks when they make the jump from high school to college and then college to the NFL. Yeah, I, I think if somebody could figure that out, they'd have it. They'd have it pretty good. They have it made pretty well. I, it's hard. It's hard. I think you need to know. You know, because you can only take one. You can't go recruit three or four quarterbacks. You know, you 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 you, you know all through the years. I remember. Um, uh, Dick, we did a little podcast about BYU football, and you know, a long time ago. And I, remember I was thinking back. Robbie Bosco only went to um, BYU after Sean Salisbury decided to go to USC. Does that make any sense? You know, he, he yeah. waited around. He wanted to go to BYU, but if Sean went, I think he was going to go somewhere else. Cal, maybe I, I don't know. I can't remember the way back, but I do remember the situation. So quarterbacks are hard because you can only take one, and then if you mess it up, you, you're 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 you know you're lying, whatever the lineage you know gets gets there's an interruption there. So you can only take one. So you really have to study that thing, I think, and not only just watch tape and all that and watch and get these four star threes, all that nonsense, but you have to really get to know them. I think you need to when you recruit them and you get them on campus, you need to spend time looking at tape, finding out how much they know. Yeah, almost like an NFL deal. You have to find out a lot about them and and, and the type of person that they are. I, I'm I'm rambling on a little bit, but I, I, I a lot of people have not a lot of people. People have asked, you know, what, what does it take? How how do you get to be a quarterback? And you know, and and I I've always commented that that uh, of all the quarterbacks that we've had the good fortune to coach and work with, the one ingredient that we had was they're all good people. They're good guys. They're good leaders. They they get along with their teammates and all that kind of stuff. And I think that's critical too. So you need to. You know, you need to study all that stuff before you make your decision. What is the guy that there was a guy that uh, Lane Kiffin, I think, recruited in the eighth grade, um, and he ended up being a wide receiver. So right, I yeah. you, can you yeah. tell? You know, well, he was in the XFL draft. In fact, still, 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 man, or something yeah. like that. And anyway, uh, so it's hard. Long answer to your short question. I, I think it's very difficult, and I think you really need to do your homework when when dealing when trying to recruit a quarterback. Well, the one the Utes just got, uh, Peter Costelli, is also being recruited by uh, Oregon, Nebraska, and LSU. So you're right, Kyle and his staff are not done recruiting. A verbal commitment's yeah. great, but you can't just you know turn the page and move on. You gotta you gotta stay That's with right. it. That's right, and it's it's a long ways away, and nobody nobody knows that better than Kyle, I'm sure. Well, Norm, it was great to catch up. Thanks for checking in with us. We appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, it, it is fun. I miss you guys, and uh, all the best. Uh, it's probably tough to find news, is what I told Jake. That's probably why you all gave me a call, but I'm glad you did. <laughs> and um, <laughs> Take care and all the best, and, um, you know, we'll, we'll all see ourselves through this and, and, and get a chance to watch football again.